Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez. My guest is Jerry Detweiler. Jerry, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me back. Absolutely. Looking forward to a conversation today. Jerry's been on the show a couple of times, as I'll explain in a moment. So I'm excited to have her back with us. We're going to focus on this episode specifically on PPP loans or PPL, the, the payroll, payroll, the paycheck payroll, no, the paycheck protection program. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a mouthful. <laughs> exactly. You know, that program that some of you uh, very likely, I know I did, uh, took. And, and now it's about concentrating on understanding what it's going to take and considerations given to having it forgiven. So that's what Jerry and I are gonna dive into today. If you wanna receive more information about the Howa business, including links to the show notes page and to schedule a free coaching consultation with me, just text the word biz, B-I-Z to 31996. So as I said, Jerry's been a couple of times, at least on the show back on episode 240, her and I talked about uh, small business and personal credit. She's an expert in this arena. And then uh, when all of this happened, COVID crisis happened, she was back on an episode 308, and we chatted about all of the loan programs that were available back then. But let me tell you a little bit more about Jerry again, unless you, in case you hadn't listened to those episodes. Jerry Detweiler is a, a leading nationally recognized financing and credit expert. She has more than 20 years of experience in this field. And during the 2008-2009 financial crisis, Jerry was interviewed hundreds of times, providing insightful expertise and actionable advice for traversing the turbulent landscape and unknown change. And she's done it again now as we've gone through this COVID crisis, providing information, sharing knowledge, helping people get through it. She serves as education director for NAV, N-A-V, NAV, they're the trusted financing partner of over 1.2 million businesses. And she gives NAV's customers certainty in an uncertain world like we are today through her expertise and actionable advice. So once again, Jerry Detweiler, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Henry. All right, let's dive right into it. Uh, I was doing some, some research because I, like I'm sure everybody else listening, had kind of put aside the whole topic of, okay, now what do I do with this loan that I got? Um, for me personally, for my businesses, we got one for my wife's travel consulting business. And then we got one for our frozen yogurt restaurant. So I know firsthand, you know, that whole process. But now I've kind of been putting aside, all right, what do I do with this forgiveness thing? So let's dive what into it. What, what, are, what is the latest information? I know there was an SBA update that came out on my birthday, August 11th. But uh, tell me at a high level and then we'll dive into it. Where are we at with all of this? Sure. So at the high level, the PPP came out of the CARES Act, which uh, became law on March 27th. And then Congress passed the, uh, another act called the PPP Flexibility Act on June 5th. And that provided some very welcome changes for many businesses, which we can certainly talk about it. Talk about the forgiveness process starts with your lender. So you fill out an application for forgiveness with the lender, although we do have the application form from the SBA in two different formats we can also talk about. And then the uh, lender looks it over, 
looks and see if there's anything that is a red flag. They think you calculated something wrong. And once they think it looks accurate and correct, then they uh, have to get approval from the SBA so they can get the money back from the SBA to wipe out your loan. So there is a little bit of a time lag in there in the process um, between when you actually apply for forgiveness and when uh, the SBA actually basically forgives the loan by paying off the lender, you know, by giving the money to the lender so you don't have to pay it back. And I will say I was on an industry conference call today and what they said was only about 3% of SBA loans have been forgiven so far. So we're actually still fairly early in the process, which I think is good because it, it, you know, it, it takes off some of that pressure uh, about the time. And we can talk about the time frames and how they work, but we're also at a stage and today is September 3rd, 2020. We're also at a stage where Congress is coming back um, from recess next week. And there's a lot of talk about them enacting another wave of PPP, but also, um, providing some automatic forgiveness for smaller PPP loans of $150,000 or less. So I do know a lot of lenders and even some borrowers are sort of whole, having a wait and see um, pattern because they don't want to have to fill out the whole full form and then find out, hey, you know, we could have just gotten this written off. Yeah, and that's, that's, a, that's a huge point. I had not heard anything about that. So that that's significant. That that helps to explain as you were you were articulating for me for example one of mine is through wells fargo when i go to their site which i just visited again this morning they're saying wait they don't have their process online yet although there's the link to the official quote unquote sba form as you alluded to um so so that's a huge point i so i think people now should wait and to see if this is just going to become an automatic forgiveness is what you're saying right Yes, for smaller loans, there's. Yes. I think there's a very good chance that will be the case. Now, there's no harm in going ahead and filling out either the application or the easy application. We can talk about the differences so that you are prepared. But again, if you got $150,000 or less and you have employees, it's more complicated. So I would definitely in those situations, hold off and wait. Yeah. Yeah, and let's, so let's talk about that because to your point there, I think what's really important for people to understand and the advice that even my bank has given me is make sure that what you don't put off is your accounting for where that money went, right? Exactly. And starting to have those documents that if we do have to submit them that we have in order. I think it's, you know, it's good business practice anyway to have those things in order, right? Yes, absolutely. And I should point out, I'm not an accountant. I'm not an attorney. So I don't provide legal or accounting advice. I just try to educate and inform as much as I can. I've spent a lot of time with these forms. But one of the best practices I've heard from accountants and from small business advisors is every dollar that you spend using either PPP money or uh, if you got the economic injury disaster loan EIDL money, that in your accounting software, you make a note that, you know, that was the source of that money because you do have to keep these records for quite a long time. I know in the case of idle, it's six years and it may be six years also for PPP. I'm not remembering off the time ahead, but it's not a short period of time. It's longer than you'd normally worry about your tax returns, right? So, yeah. so yes, good record keeping is essential in this process. Yeah. And so there, there's two primary components for most of us. It's their, your payroll records. And, and that's, pretty straightforward because ideally you're using a third party. You might be using QuickBooks 
And so those records are already there. But if you're not, if you're calculating payroll manually for some reason, just make sure you keep those records. And then it's your, your invoices and proof of payments for things like rent and other, other permissible uh, expenses that are part of what this money was for. Making sure you document all of that and keep that in order. The other thing that's critical though, Jerry, that while we have time on, and we should probably hold off right now on submitting the forgiveness application under 150, as you said, there is no this clock that's ticking on when I'm supposed to spend the money. So I want to talk about that for a moment. Yes, that's right. So under the original um, guidelines that came out from the CARES Act, you have six months of deferment. So six months of no payments to be made on those loans. So theoretically, someone who applied early and got the money quickly, they could be coming up on that deadline in October, right? And I did yes. in, in that industry call, one of the bankers did express concern about that because there we still need some more guidance to effectively, you know, uh, fulfill all the fulfillness, the forgiveness applications. Under the PPP Flexibility Act, which is the law that passed on June 5th, you have um, basically 10 months after the covered period to apply for forgiveness. And the covered period is the 24 weeks after you get the loan. So, um, okay, or so December 31st. Yeah. So, so it has, it is beyond, originally it was 24 weeks after funding the six month period. But so I missed it. That got extended. Is that what you're saying? Um, the covered period is the period that begins on the date of the originated yeah. loan. So the date you get the money. And then right. the 10 month period is either 20, you're right, 24 weeks after origination or December 31st. But then you still have the 10 months, right? So it's not that you have to apply for it right at the end of the 24 oh, weeks. Right, right. Yeah, we're talking yeah. about applying, but, but as far as spending the money, is that still within the 24 weeks or six months of from from funding? Is that still when I yes. have to spend? Okay, that's what yes, I Yes, yes. So, so when you get the money in your bank account, that starts that clock ticking. Right. And for those who got the loan prior to June 5th, they can yeah. either use the eight-week period, which was the original, or they can use a 24-week per period. Right. If you got it after that time period, then it's a 24-week period. There's a little bit of flexibility there. So, you know, Henry and your yogurt shop is... If you got it on August 1st, but your next payroll cycle doesn't start till August 7th, then you could start that 24 week period for payroll, you know, starting when that pay period starts. It doesn't, because it's weird sometimes, it just doesn't fall within your normal pay cycle, right? So there is a little bit of flexibility um, within that 24 week period, but that period is crucial. And what you can't do is say, well, I don't really need the money now, or, oh, I don't have people back to work. So I'm going to wait a couple months and then start the 24 week period. It doesn't work like that. And that was a huge frustration originally with the original eight week period, because so many businesses weren't open and they were saying, I'm having to spend this money and I, people aren't even working. I'm just paying them to stay home. So it's a little more flexible under the new uh, guidelines. Yeah, absolutely. That 24 week was a lot more flexible. The reduction down to 60% of what has to be spent on payroll was another adjustment that made it much more, much easier to, to spend the money the right way. So those were two things. Okay. I want to come back to you because I want to make sure I understand because I, I had understood that. So, so that's about when you have to spend that money and what you have to spend it on. But as far as applying for forgiveness, I thought I read today that you have 
up until the end of the term of your loan, and you might have a two-year or five-year, we'll talk about that in a moment, but I don't think that's what you're saying. Um, there's a different deadline on when I do have to apply for forgiveness based on the current act? Yes, based on the PPP Flexibility Act, it's 10 months, and that starts at the end of your covered period, which is the 24 weeks after you get the loan, or December 31st of 2020, whichever, 2020, whichever comes first. So for most people, you know, we've gotten our loans, right? You either did yes. or you didn't. So, right. so that December 31st date is not going to matter that much. And what that, what that essentially does is it gives time for the lenders to process it, time to get to the SBA and then the SBA to come back. Because remember, the SBA is going to have to be involved in you know, paying these lenders. And there's a right. lot of money that went out under this program. So there's, uh, there's going to be a lot of work that has to, has to happen on that end. And, and in the beginning, the SBA was the bottleneck, right? Because all the loan applications had to go through their system and there was a huge bottleneck. So we, I think they're trying to avoid that bottleneck on the back end. Yeah. And again, because we have until the 31st and there might be some further leniency here coming on forgiveness, I'm going to choose to wait. Again, my loans are under 150, considerably under 150. So I'm going to, not to mention that again, Wells Fargo in my example is not even accepting those applications just yet. Yes, and that's been a huge source of confusion to borrowers who maybe they've read my article on how to fill it out and they filled it out and then they're saying, where do I send it? Right, what do I do with <laughs> it now? Just, you don't send it anywhere until your lender can work with you, whoever you got that PPP money from. And there are some uh, technology solutions that are being created to put it online so it's a faster, easier process. Again, I don't think it's a bad idea to go through the application so you can get a clearer picture of how you can spend the money. I think that's a very, very helpful process. Uh, there are two forgiveness applications. One is the 3508EZ and the other is the 3508. And the 3508EZ is the form you'll use if you're self-employed and it's just you, nobody else working in your business, or if you have employees but you didn't reduce um, headcount or salaries pretty much by more than 25%, then you can use the simplified form. If you do have employees, and you um, had reduced headcount, maybe you had some employees left, they couldn't rehire for the position, um, whatever it may be, then you'll use the um, full form, the 3508, to fill out that information about reductions in headcount forgiveness. Good. I'm glad you clarified that because that was not obvious. I did not even see the EZ form on the site. I didn't dig around that deeply, but that'll be the form my wife uses for her travel consulting business where it's just her. She has no employees, no W-2. And so it sounds like that's probably the form that she would use unless something changes, obviously. Yes. And I'm going to throw out a quick tip for her and anyone else listening, because I've seen so many questions about this on my blog post. Um, when you get to line seven on the form, you're calculating whether you used at least 60% of the money for payroll. And the calculation requires you to divide by 0 0.60 and everybody multiplies because they are thinking 60%, right? So they multiply and they're like, this number doesn't make sense. I have so many questions about that. So just keep this in the back of your head. On line seven, when it says divide by 0 0.60, it means divide, not multiply. That will make yeah. your life a lot easier. Yeah, no, I see that. I think, I think it's line 10 on the full form if I'm reading it correctly, right? Yeah, that could um, be right. I'm not remembering off the top of my yeah, head, but yeah, yeah, great tip, great tip. All right, um, okay. So we understand now the time frame within which we need to spend this money, the types of valid expenses. Again, the big portion of it being 
the 60% going to at least payroll. In the case of self-employed, just to talk about that for a moment, like in my wife's case, it's, it's her, her compensation. And that, so that's a little more challenging. It'll be interesting to see what kind of documentation they want on that because we don't, we don't do payroll, right? Yeah. And right now, um, Henry, the only documentation requirement appears to be the tax return. So when you, when she or anybody else who's self-employed files a Schedule C applied for PPP, they did so based on their net profit on line um, 31 of their Schedule C for right. 2019, right? So that's your net profit. And you use that to figure out how much you could qualify for. And it appears that there's been no other guidance that indicates they want to see anything more than that. So yeah. it appears that that will be the same thing used. So that makes it super simple. But the question I've gotten from many people who are self-employed is how do I pay myself? Like, do I have to divide that amount up and pay myself every week or every two weeks? Or how do I document it? And there is zero guidance as to whether you want to pay yourself a lump sum or whether you want to pay yourself and divide it up over those 24 weeks. There's, I haven't seen any guidance from the SBA or Treasury on that specific question. But what I do recommend is that you do pay yourself you know, from that amount. And so it could be whether you transfer the money to your personal account, whether you um, write a check to yourself from your business account. I wouldn't just pay personal expenses out of your business account and count that as payroll. I would right. very very clearly delineate it. And there's a lot of business owners who just don't operate that way. They just use the money in their business bank account to pay whatever, whenever they need it. So you really want to have that clearly separated. And then like you recommended earlier, you know, keep some documentation, whether it's those bank transfers or the canceled checks showing that you paid yourself, just in case that comes back later and the SBA wants to see some documentation, you want to have that information available. Yeah, great point. And for those listening who are doing that, you shouldn't be commingling anyway. And so this is, again, another great exercise in making sure that all of your business transactions are clean. And as you said, if it's not W-2, it should just be a distribution. And then I record that properly and indicate what that was for. Instead, like you said, instead of paying my personal expenses directly out of my business account. Um, assuming you have a separate business account, which is always good financial practice. Essential. Anyway, essential. <laughs> yeah. This is Henry Lopez with a brief interruption to introduce you to our sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. Small businesses have unique needs. And despite the current uncertainty, one thing that remains unchanged is the importance of having the right people on your team. When your business is ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person quickly. A couple of things I personally find extremely useful about LinkedIn Jobs include the job description templates and the skills keywords. It makes it easy and fast for me to post a job opening and start receiving qualified candidates. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 690 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for and puts your job post in front of qualified members every day so that it's seen by people looking for jobs like yours. That's how LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire the right person faster. When your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay for what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash how Again, that's linkedin.com slash H-O-W to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. 
All right. So does, based on what you're seeing, you know, one of the challenges, of course, with all of this is it was, it was so rushed out, understandably, that there was that lag from the banks getting interpretation from the SBA. Do you, are you seeing that the banks are going to follow the SBA guidelines or are they going to have guidelines on top of it? Or what, what is good? What do we expect here? Are they going to have to follow the rules of the SBA exclusively or are they going to add rules to it? Meaning the individual banks? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it is frustrating because as you mentioned, guidance is still coming out. It, it's come, come out, as you mentioned, on your birthday on August 11th. And yep. some of the guidance changes um, how somebody may have approached this with a different understanding. Now, the SBA has said that either when you applied or when you apply for forgiveness, you can do so based on the rules that were in effect. But the banks don't want to be the arbiters of this, right? So they're right. going to do their best to make it as simple for them to process these applications and with the hopes that you know these borrowers get forgiveness. So if you look at the application and then you end up on one of their, let's say they set up an online portal, it might look a little different, but it should be compliant with the rules that are available at that time for forgiveness. So there, you know, there's, there, I have heard some mixed reports from a few advisors who said, Hey, we, if you think you qualify for full forgiveness under the current rules and your lender's accepting an application, go ahead and apply because they could change the rules. I don't uh -huh. think they'll change substantially, but they have changed. Um, just recently, for example, the latest guidance included to change related to if you are paying um, mortgage interest to a related entity, you may not be able to deduct that like you would have under the previous guidance. So there's these little nuances that can come out that can sometimes adversely affect a borrower. But on the other hand, if, you're, if your lender isn't accepting applications yet, there's nothing you can do. No, right? you, you, do. Yeah. Yeah. you can't apply. So you have right. to wait for them. Agreed. Okay, so you had uh, mentioned something as we were preparing for this conversation that I really hadn't even given any thought to, and that is the potential impact, of any, on my credit, my business credit, if I do have this loan forgiven. So what do you know about that? Yeah, I've been getting quite a few questions about these loans, these and, and the EIDL loans and credit. And people are asking, you know, will they show up on my credit? How can they impact it? Now, norm, on this particular loan, the PPP, the SBA is not taking any um, personal guarantee or collateral for it. So unlike the EIDL, where there is collateral for loans of $25,000 or above, there is no collateral for these loans. Now, traditionally, SBA lenders are supposed to port, report 7A loans, but and this is under the 7A program, but I have not seen any indication because these, until this turns into a loan, in other words, it's not forgiven and you have five years or two years under the older guidelines to pay it back, I don't expect any issuers to report that to the business credit or to an owner's personal credit. So I don't expect that to be an impact. I do want to point out though, for those who got idle as well as PPP or maybe instead of it, that there is um, what's called a UCC1 filing that goes on the business credit report and you are required to get permission from the SBA before you get other loans. And this UCC filing will alert other lenders that you have this outstanding loan with the SBA. So it's, I wouldn't say it's totally a given that it can't impact your ability to get financing. If you do not get it forgiven, 
and it turns into a loan, then it's possible it will show up on business credit. It's also possible, um, not guaranteed, but possible. It's also possible that um, there, the, the, this may take up a primary position um, before other financing that you try to obtain, and that could affect you know, your ability to get other financing. Right. It could be, it'll be treated like other SBA loans are, but we don't think at this point that getting it forgiven would have negative impact on credit. In a case like you articulated, in case of PPP, like you clarified, since there's no collateral, it, sh- it, it should not have any uh, bearing on my personal credit, but there's no indication right now that it would have a negative impact, a negative connotation on business credit because it was forgiven. Yes. And that's, that's my expectation. So um, I can't speak for the SP, of course, but my expectation is that most lenders are hoping that they'll forgive as much of these loans as possible. They don't want them on their books and they're hoping they'll just forgive the loan. It'll be done and no credit reporting and let's move on to the next, next phase. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned the EIDL. One thing that caught my eye and I'm, I'm confused about, and it was so when I first looked at this application and this is on the full form is it asks the EIDL advance amount. That was that grant money that has also been called, I think is what they're referring to there. Why is it asking that? Because it doesn't seem to come into the calculations later. I know that we were not supposed to double dip on that money, but why are they asking that there? It's very odd because Technically, and the SBA has said this, they're supposed to reduce the forgiveness amount by the amount of any idle grant given. So the grant was the $1,000 per employee up to $10,000 that does not have to be repaid. So the idea is you don't get the grant plus the fully forgiven PPP. So they're supposed to subtract that out. I find it odd that it's not in the actual calculations. I just... (laughs) I can't figure that one out. I've noted it in my articles just to prepare people. I'm a little concerned that that may catch people unaware when they discover, oh, well, you didn't forgive that $2,000 amount. Why? Because that was the idle advance or grant. But just expect that. So any amount that's not forgiven turns into a loan, which you can pay back very quickly if you want. It's not an expensive loan. You can pay it back very quickly. Um, or um, you have up to five years to pay it off. So hopefully it won't be a major amount, even if you do owe the loan, that you'll be able to manage that in your cash flow pretty easily. Yeah, and just to clarify one thing you said there, it's five years if I applied in that second round. For me, for example, because I applied in the first round, it's a two-year loan, right? Correct. So yeah, if okay. you applied before June, if you got if you got an SBA approval before June 5th, yeah. then it's a two-year repayment two-year. period. The lender may opt, op- up to make it a five-year period, but it's a two-year period currently. And for everybody who got an SBA approval after June 5th, it's a five-year repayment. So so this is pretty tricky, right? I mean, it's it's disappointing and hopefully we'll get further clarity because again, the maximum was 10 grand. I could have surprisingly, uh, it's forgiven, but not the 10 grand. And now all of a sudden, hopefully they would make it clear that now I owe on this note for 10 grand. Um, Hopefully we'll get further clarification on that. Yes, I hope so. And and from what I've heard, the effort to forgive um, PPP loans of $150,000 or less automatically, um, there's also a proposal to forgive EIDL loans of $150,000 or less. Okay. So I don't know what Congress will decide, but right. there is a possibility that that could turn into a grant as well, which wouldn't have to be repaid. Um, there may be a taxable implication. I don't know yet. The interesting thing, Henry, is 
the PPP forgiven debt is not taxable. We know that. Um, but there are some accounts who've pointed out because you can't also deduct those expenses, you may be pushed into a higher tax bracket as a result. So there could be some inadvertent or unexpected tax implications of the way they've chosen to approach it. But on the grant, the idle grant, the, they've been mum on whether that's taxable. And the only guidance I could find dated back to 2013, where the SBA indicated that any forgiven SBA disaster assistance would be taxable. Sorry, the IRS said that. So right now, as of this moment in time, September 3rd, uh, as far as I know, that idle grant is considered taxable until we hear otherwise from the IRS. And just to make sure I'm clear here as well, this money that I've spent now with the PPP loan on these expenses, those expenses are now not deductible. If you get that amount forgiven. Yes. If, if it gets forgiven, right. Because otherwise yep. it's a business yeah. loan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's, that's such an important point. And you've mentioned this before, and I think it's worth mentioning here. You really should be getting, have gotten, continue to get advice from your CPA, from your accountant, from your tax attorney, as you're making these decisions. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And you know, one way I I like to think about it, I think about, let's say you got, I don't know, $80,000 in PPP funds. And if you get all or most of that forgiven, that's, that's like, having a client pay you, you know, $80,000, right? And, yeah. and even better because it's not really taxable. Um, so what would you do? You know, what would you do for a client that was going to pay you $80,000? You do, you do, you do some work, right? So I understand it's frustrating for a lot of people that the work and what's involved here, but go ahead and spring for some good advice from your accountant so you can get this right because this is free money and you would put effort into that kind of money if it was a client. So put some effort into maximizing and making sure you get good advice here, whether it's $15,000, $50,000 or $150,000. I think it's well worth it. Completely agree. Completely agree. You got to get that advice and that's a great way to look at it. So thanks for that. We know we need to hold off for those of us who are under 150 on the application. Like you said, and I agree, it doesn't, I still recommend you you print out the application because it's available at the SBA site. I'll have a link to it on the show notes page for this episode and at least start going through that because of what we talked about, the exercise of starting to make sure you're documenting these things and that you've spent the money on the right things. So that's an exercise well worth doing. What else? What do you think in summation that a business owner like myself who got those loans under 150, what should we be doing next? Well, I think the one thing we haven't really talked about is those who have employees. And there's been such a, it's, it's been such a mess for so many employers in terms of whether they can safely bring their employees back to work. People are leaving. Some people want to collect unemployment, although that's, that's pretty much ended with the $600 no longer available in addition to state unemployment. Um, So you do have to take a look at, and this is in the application instructions. I'm, I'm completely flummoxed why the SBA in the second round separated the instructions for the application from the application itself. (laughs) The first round, they were all together. And yes, it was long and overwhelming, but it was all in one document. Now they're in two separate documents. So let's, we'll make sure we have those (laughs) in the show notes, but read that part because there are some exceptions that allow you to not reduce your forgiveness. If 
you know, your employee couldn't come back to work, if your business was closed due to COVID restrictions, if you had an employee leave and you couldn't find a replacement for that employee. So there are some additional ways you can avoid a reduction in forgiveness, even though you had changes in your employee, um, either wages or hours, by um, looking at these exceptions that came in the PPP Flexibility Act. And those can apply to any employer, whether they applied early on like you or whether they applied later. So I would read that over very carefully and look for that information because that will require some additional documentation. Uh, But again, it can help you get more forgiven money if you follow the rules. Yeah, great, great point. And also to the point of why you need to it is a good exercise to start collecting that and documenting that because like you said, a lot of that was in part, I think, Jerry, to for the benefit of restaurants like like my business because we had that challenge where some of us weren't open or when we opened, we were in reduced hours. So I didn't need the staffing. So despite my best efforts to keep staff on, I, it, it just wasn't possible. So there was a lot of adjustments that were made then in that second act to address this, right? Yes, that's right. And so that's where you saw the the reduction in you only had to spend 60% on payroll instead of 75%. And then you saw these, um, these opportunities to avoid a reduction in forgiveness if you know, you had certain circumstances affect your business. And those are they're they're pretty good. Um, This won't solve every business's problem, but I would say it's much, much better um, than the first round was. And certainly for um, businesses like yours, where, you know, you have a number of employees who just may not, just can't bring them back to work. There's either not enough demand or the workplace is closed. Exactly. All right. Before we uh, wrap it up here, anything else I missed asking about that you think we should uh, discuss? No, the only other thing I'd say when it comes to the whole forgiveness process is to, you know, check with your lender, just put a tickler on your calendar to check, and they'll probably reach out to you when they have their forgiveness portal open. Like we said, do some research now, and then don't be afraid to reach out to your elected officials in Washington. You know, they're going to be talking about this next week when they get back, and it's going to be a hot topic. And so, um, so we talk a lot about supporting small business owners. You need to let them know, you know, what, what, problems and challenges your business is facing. So hopefully you will get some additional relief or at least some easing of the rules that makes it easier and faster for employers to to put this behind them. Agreed. Agreed. All right. uh, Before we close it up here, you've been with NAV for quite some time. Uh, What's what's new over there? What's uh, besides COVID? What's been keeping you and, and NAV busy? Just update us on what's going on there. Yeah, I think what's exciting for us for at NAV is that we are starting to see some of the lenders come back into the marketplace. So we match small business borrowers to all different types of lending, all the way from business credit cards to SBA loans, term loans, lines of credit, et cetera. And a lot of lenders really just halted in March. Uh, it was very, very, it was a very bleak landscape for lending for many businesses, but um, we're starting to see it open up again and some some pretty good products. Now, lending standards are stricter than they were before COVID. So uh, you mentioned earlier, having that business bank account, you are going to have to make sure that you have a business bank account and can document revenues. That's going to be really important for many lenders. Some lenders are looking for more time in business. Um, Some lenders are looking for higher credit scores, Um, but we are seeing that start to thaw and we're, um, we're 
hopeful, hopeful and optimistic that as the year goes on, we'll see, you know, more and more um, financial products for um, small businesses so they can get back to business and uh, hopefully, you know, start the recovery process. Yeah. Good. Great stuff. All right. Let's summarize again. What's, what's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation we had about PPP or PPL loan forgiveness? I would say the number one thing is to look at the application, uh, see if you qualify for easy because it's much easier, um, but look at the application, read through it and think about you know the ways that you're spending your money and how you're documenting it. And then you know, get good help with questions. <laughs> a self-employed person can probably do it pretty easily. I don't think it's that difficult. But once you get into having employees, it can get complicated. So make sure you have the right advice. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, for me, from our conversation is you know, check with your bank. Obviously, you should be doing that on a frequent basis anyway. In my case, like I mentioned with Wells Fargo, they're not accepting applications yet. But as Jerry recommended, and in her blog post, which we'll have a link to, gives you even more guidance on how to at least go through the application, even if you're not going to submit it right now. But get, get your documents in order. Make sure that you are keeping track of your expenses properly. Use this, if you haven't, a, as a reason to do that. If you've been commingling and working things out of your personal account, use this as a reason to get that changed. Um, and, and then I'm going to wait on submitting my, well, I have no choice. Wells Fargo is not accepting it yet but I'm gonna be ready for that. Make sure you understand that we are fast approaching this deadline where, you know, where you're supposed to have spent the money for those of us who got money in June. So, and, and get advice. You gotta get tax advice on this so that you make sure you, you make the right moves based on your individual situation. So those, those are my takeaways in addition, Jerry. Perfect, I agree. All right. Where do you want us to go online to learn more about you? And where do we find that blog post that we've referred to? Tell us that. Yeah. So on the NAV blog, so nav.com slash blog, we're writing about all kinds of small business financing related issues. And I will be happy to share a couple of specific articles for the show notes to make it easy to find those. But if you were on our search engine on our blog and typed in PPP forgiveness, you'd come up with a couple of pieces that we've written that I hope will be helpful to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Jerry's writing. And of course, as you've heard here, if you didn't hear previous episodes, lots of information, lots of free information that we have to take advantage of it. And if you haven't heard of NAV, it's N-A-V, N-A-V, when we say NAV, that's who we're talking about. Jerry, once again, uh, full of information, actionable stuff. Thanks again for willing to come back on the show and sharing all of this with us. Oh, thank you. And thanks for what you're doing to help these small business owners. I appreciate that. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today again was Jerry Detweiler. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. And you can also just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.